Need a new set of optics? For more than a decade, Riton Optics has been providing optic solutions for hunters and shooters of all types and disciplines. Check out their Primal line for those products geared more towards us hunters. From binoculars and spotting scopes to your basic 3-9 to nine scopes and longer range crossover models, the Primal line from Riton was made for hunters. Learn more at RitonOptics.com. That's Riton, R-I-T-O-N, Optics.com. Brought to you by the Where to Hunt podcast. It's Tactical Talk with real hunters getting it done across the nation. Hey everybody, Eric Clark here with the Where to Hunt podcast, coming back this week with another Tactic Talk. Today on the show with us is Mark Kenyon, uh, the host of the Wired to Hunt podcast. Uh, Mark, how you doing? I'm doing well. I appreciate you guys having me on. Yeah, thanks for taking some time during your commute, uh, 25 hours uh, to yeah, Idaho. Yeah, 25-hour commute. <laughs> <laughs> so we'll fill some of this time up. It'll be a blink of an eye. 15 minutes. What I'm looking for today is to help cover a topic that you know I don't know much about, which is private land, and we're really trying to focus on early season uh, tactics, strategies. You know, how do you go about approaching any private property? I know you're doing some work with the back forty and things like that. So I thought you'd have some good uh, insight here. Yeah, well, private land hunting is similar in many ways to public land hunting, right? You're hunting the same deer. You're hunting sometimes similar habitat. You're hunting, you know, the deer or deer. Um, the biggest difference is that you will have to some degree or another, depending on your situation, some kind of control over variables such as what other people are out there competing with you, how much this property and specific deer there and, and things like that. And then finally, you'll have some type of control over the habitat itself, the ability to manage that or improve it. Um, so all three of those things, again, depending on if this is a lease or if this is by permission private or if this is you own private, um, you can adjust. But what I'll tell you at a high level before we dive into any one of those in particular is that early season is really about food, 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 right? At this time of the year, deer are still on, really all deer, but bucks especially are on this bed to feed pattern, which eventually they do break once we get towards the rut. But for now, it's just going from the bedroom to the best food sources and getting back to that in a way that he'll do it. Um, so if you have private land, hopefully you've scouted it, you know it to some degree, and you can have an idea of where are those bedrooms at, where are those food sources at. If you have control over this land and there are not other people hunting it, it's a it's a relatively simple equation. It's scout out and figure out where that best food source is for the early season. Your very first day of hunting, opening day, or whenever you first get out there, is one of your very best chances of the entire year because these deer, as long as you haven't been going in there all the time mucking stuff up, these deer are unpressured. They are comfortable going back and forth, back and forth, back and forth, and they're going to stay pretty consistent with that routine until something forces them to change. The thing that might force them to change, it could be changing food sources, it could be um, you know, outside factors like that, but the biggest thing would be hunting-related changes. So if you are on public land, that could happen to you where a bunch of guys start hunting and the deer react to it. Again, if you're on private, though, 
if you are the one who gets to hunt that nobody else just make sure you're not the one screwing that up um so the very first night of the season you got this great opportunity before you can change the behavior so like i mentioned at the front end try to identify what that best food source is if you live in farmland uh, and depends on when your season opens but let's say you've got a season that opens mid-september maybe the 12th or something you might still have soybean fields probably still have soybean fields that are green deer love that might have an alfalfa field or a clover field or maybe there's acorns dropping on a little flat with some white oaks if you can find those spots where the deer are feeding that's a great spot to zero in on for that opening night hunt um, how can you tell what those best early season food sources are well the best way to do it if you can is to watch these places from afar that way you can learn about what's happening without having to actually set foot in there and leave scent possibly spook deer anything like that so i hunt a lot of farmland where you can see from hills or various roadsides you can see across the crop fields i like to get out there in those days leading up to the season with my binoculars and my spotting scope and glass as many of these different fields as possible to try to see where are these deer feeding sometimes they're where i think they are sometimes i'm going to watch an area and say oh wow they're not hitting this field like i thought they would i need to kind of change up my plan um so do that until you find the deer or you find the deer you're after, depending on what your goals are. Um, that's a great way leading into the opening day of the season or whatever your first period of hunting is. You can run trail cameras to get the same kind of information. Um, but again, you want to get that intel without letting the deer know you're hunting them. So if you can use a cell camera, that's a great way to do it. So you don't need to walk in there and check it. Um, if you're going to check a regular trail camera, leading up to that first couple hunts, those first couple hunts, try to do it in a place where you can drive up to it in the middle of the day on an ATV or a truck or a bike or something. Try to do it when the wind isn't blowing right into those bedding areas. Um, you know, all of this is, it's, it's pretty one-on-one stuff once you get the basics. Okay, where are these deer? Where are they feeding? But the trick is in the execution. So it's, it's figuring out where all these pieces of the puzzle are and then actually executing that plan the right way. So, so yeah, access sounds here. super important. Um, yeah. Paying, you're going to have to pay attention to a lot of the finer details like wind direction, temperature, th- things like that, that are going to be more, I don't know, depending on what your access looks like, you know, you gonna have yeah. one spot to get in. Is it landlocked everywhere else? Like, how are you, you know, going to deal with that hunt that day based on that deer you've observed? Yes. Yeah, so all, all that stuff's important. Yeah. You know, finding those, the first, finding the bedding here, finding the food source, that's the beginning point. You need to try to isolate how they're traveling between the two. And then, yeah, when it comes to the setup, you need to be able to get there without spooking the deer. You need to be able to get out of there after the hunt without spooking deer because you might not kill them on the first night. So you want to get in there again maybe the next night or the next time the wind's right or the next time the conditions are right. You need to be able to get out safely as well. So all this stuff needs to be thought about beforehand. Um, and, and then again, it comes down to the, the principles of success, you know, making sure you're thinking about winning, making sure you're thinking about exit entry, making sure you're thinking about um, the, 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 how deer react to outside factors like temperature, like barometric pressure. All those things can help or hinder deer movement on any given night. So when it comes to early season, I almost always hunt opening night. I think it's hard to beat opening night. Um, and then after that, I will be looking at conditions. So is there a great cold front moving through? That might 
make me haunt one of my better spots. Is there some recent intel that I just picked up, either by observation or trail camera, that makes me think that one of these bucks I'm after is moving? Then I'm going to hunt. Um, but I'm not going to go swinging for the fences every single hunt unless one of those things tell me, hey, it's go time. Um, otherwise, I will hunt edges. I'll observe. I'll scout. But I don't want to go blasting into stuff unless I've got a really big educated reason to do so so for me most of the time that means early seasons are usually an evening hunt thing those are easier to get into without spooking deer easier to get out of without spooking deer if you think it through right um and you tend to get a little bit more daylight activity in the evenings than you do in the mornings from mature bucks at least that's not a rule but i would say more often than not that's the case um but in certain scenarios i might throw in a morning hunt like if i'm on a short traveling hunt like we're going to Idaho right now for an early season hunt. We only have seven, eight, nine days, something like that. Um, we probably will do some morning hunts when we kind of figure things out and know how we need to get in there without spooking deer, simply because we don't have a lot of time. So we're going to get a little more aggressive. But if I'm hunting at a farm close to my house that I get to hunt a lot, I'm going to be a lot more conservative with when I do that. Um, That's logical. I mean, you know, I know a couple of folks that do own private themselves. I do know some folks that lease, and I do know some folks that just simply have public access to a private parcel. And it, I often hear that a lot of these guys or gals um, will hunt public land and kind of, you know, burn that uh, earlier in the season or, or what have you. And then they'll kind of sit on their private property, not literally, but sit on it as like a, an ace in the hole, right? Well, they'll like, no, I'm going to conserve that until later in the season so I, you know, don't disrupt it early on. They don't even want to take those risks of entry and exit and all of that. They're just going to yeah. sit there and they're like, I can burn through the thousands of acres of public land, have fun, get my time in the woods. And then if I still don't have anything, I can go visit my private property. What's your thought on that? I mean, it sounds like you're really into just getting out there in the, the first couple nights and, and have an adder before they've uh, broken their patterns. Yeah. I, I look at the first couple days of the season as being just a good a chance to kill a buck on my private spots as the rut. So I, I prioritize making sure I'm hunting my best spots those first couple of days. And then, you know, once you get into that, I don't know, October, for, for me in Michigan, opening day is October 1st. So usually like the first, second, and third, I plan on hunting like my best spot, going swinging for the fences for one of these bucks. Um, and consistently year after year, I, there's a good chance that I'll at least see the buck I'm after. Sometimes I'll have a shot or shot at another nice buck, something like that. I'm not, I'm not always killing these deer, but at least having encounters. Um, but usually by the fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh, somewhere around there, all right, it's time to ease out. And then, yeah, I think it makes sense hunt secondary places, whether that's private or public land. Um, you know, unless, again, intel, some kind of intel tells you otherwise. But I, I like that idea because you want to still hunt, you want you could, you never know what you're going to get on on some public land or another private place, um, but I don't want to just hammer my very best spots over and over and over and over and over if I don't have a really good reason to do so. So yeah, I think save your spots for those best times, for the best conditions, and then uh, go have fun in some other places, trying new things, exploring new areas. Uh, maybe you'll get lucky along the way, or maybe you know it doesn't pan out. But by the time you go back to your honey hole on October 30th, conditions are right. And that big boy's on his feet in daylight. And he doesn't realize that, you know, for the last three weeks you've been hunting, but not around him. So he feels really comfortable and 
he walks up to 20 yards and he put a perfect shot on him and smiles are all around. You got to be so jacked to be going to Idaho to hunt right now. <laughs> this is like I'm the perfect excited. time to yeah. have this conversation. By, uh, by tomorrow <laughs> evening, I'll be in a tree. So I'm pretty stoked on that. Hopefully at full draw with something or at least having some encounters. It's pretty exciting. Yes. And, and you're definitely right about, you know, maximizing your time out in that area, going morning and evening and just, you know, doing what you can with what you got instead of conserving the property that might be closer to home. That makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Yeah. That's, that's what's worked for me at least. Cool. I honestly, you know, like the only other things I could think of, um, were maybe around some of the food stuff, but you covered that earlier on, you know, pay attention to that. If you're doing your observations, you know, that, that makes a lot of sense too. I mean, you're not, like you said, this is one-on-one stuff, but it's uh, a lens that I don't often uh, put on when I think about hunting private, right? There's just a couple other variables, um, you know, and some folks, depending on the surrounding areas too, maybe they are getting some pressure. Maybe your place is a safe haven if there's a lot of public around it. You know, yep. obviously the deer don't know the border, but if no one else is accessing and no one really truly isn't trespassing, you know, that might be something to consider too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And I think it's worth just noting again, like picking the right, food source is really important because you only get that first couple hunts of the year you only get that once right that time passes and if you spend your first few hunts in the wrong place well you're you're sol so either having a strong historical knowledge of the area and what those deer key in on or figuring out a way to do that smart scouting like that's really really important um and and if you, if you got that figured out then you just need to move in and and make the right call with your setup make the recall with your wind direction um you know at that time of year you got to think about the fact that these deer are relatively um again i keep saying them, but relatively unpressured so if you want to get a little aggressive with the wind i don't mind doing that in the first night because if there's ever a night where they'll be like ah i don't know what's going on here that might be the night sure. um so you know having a wind that cuts a corner a little bit yeah you always have to give up something when it comes to the wind direction when you head into hunt i I used to get in there and i'd be so paranoid i'd be like well this little section here they'll win me but this one they won't maybe i'll set up here but it gets me this and i don't stress about as much anymore i know it's 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 very important but i have just come i've come to terms with the fact that you always have to give something up so figure out what that chunk is you're willing to give up and then stop stressing about it at that point. You make the decision that gives you the highest odds of possible success, gives you the best, um, you know, gives you confidence in your setup. And then at that point, you, you put your cards on the table and see what they are and see what happens, um, and you roll with it. But I, um, I love that that you got to give some. Not that you have to, but inevitably you're going to give something up. It's common. It's yeah. kind of like I remember when I was young, I'd play Call of Duty, right? And you. you you add something, but then you take away. You add accuracy, but then you lose speed or, or yeah. whatever, right? There's always some yeah. balancing act that's happening there when you're hunting. I like that analogy. Yeah, man, that is that is always, always the case. And I've, I've, I've definitely come to kind of look at every day of hunting as a litmus test in decision-making. Weighing odds, rank risk, risk versus reward, looking at all these different things that could possibly be in your favor or not. Trying to analyze probabilities, and um, it's for for a nerd like me, that's kind of a fun part of it. But um, but if you get as much information as possible, we'll never have it all, right? You can you can study and scout and watch and take all of your historical knowledge of an area, and uh, you're still not going to have everything on the table. You're 
you're not going to be playing chess. You can't see all the pieces, but you can get as many as possible. And then you have to make that, that decision based off it and then, and then roll. And then the second most thing is you can be able to iterate after that. So you got to put your cards out there, see what happens, and then quickly adjust so that the next day or the next hunt, you can adjust based off that observation or based off the fact that you didn't see anything or based off the fact that when you went in, you saw tracks, but there was no deer in the daylight. You always have to then ask the why. Why did this thing happen? Why did I not see anything? Or why did that deer come out? But then he shifted and walked 100 yards away. Um, that, that, that whole idea applies to the entire hunting season, but it begins in the early season. And what I've slowly been learning is that I need to, from day one, my very first hunt, constantly be looking what happened, looking at what I saw, and, and making sure I'm, I'm approaching my hunt with very open eyes. And not just not just getting out there and watching my hunt unfold, but seeing it all, taking it in and digesting it, and doing something with that information. It's not just a, a movie I'm watching. I'm trying to take all this in and use it for the future. Um, so that's something I'd say could be helpful in the early season, but uh, man, use that beginning of a snowball that rolls through the entire year.